Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is the Dear Deirdre podcast with me, Sally Land, the Sun's resident agony aunt. Yes, we're taking the Sun's legendary Agony Aunt advice column from the page to podcast. Every episode, I'll be giving my advice on your real-life dilemmas. We'll be covering everything from sex and relationships to money and careers to managing your mental health and much, much more. And I won't be doing it alone, as each week I'll be joined by special expert guests and some of your favourite celebs too. So, if you're struggling with a problem and feel like you need some advice, the Dear Deirdre team is here to help. You can send your problems to Dear Deirdre at the-sun.co.uk. We answer every single letter sent to us, and there's no problem too big, too small, or too embarrassing. But for now, it's on with the show. This week, we're diving in the deep end and discussing all things sexuality and gender identity. Please note that in this episode, we will be exploring themes that can be sensitive for some listeners. Exact timings on topics can be found in the show notes. Identity is such a broad and ever-evolving subject, so we feel as though we're only scratching the surface in this episode as we address some of your letters on combating homophobia, dealing with a loved one as they come out, and feeling shamed for cross-dressing. And... To help me navigate through this episode, I'm joined by two brilliant guests, psychotherapist Rini Singh, who has over 25 years of experience of working with families, couples and individuals on their identity and much more. Plus, she's known as the Cockney Princess of the telly from season three of RuPaul's Drag Race UK. It is, of course, Scarlet Harlot. Thank you very much for joining us here today, both Thank of you. you. Thank oh, you for having us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Welcome. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, what you're working on, if there's any particular projects that you're super excited about. Well, a few years ago, I set up a centre for intercultural couples. So it's really couples who come from different cultural and faith backgrounds. And they're not necessarily straight couples. They're mm. couples who could be same sex as well. And they come with a range of different issues, discrimination of any sort. Fantastic. Thank you. And then Scarlett, how about you? Oh, hello, Sally, by the way. <laughs> hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Pleasure. Um, the best thing is I, uh, 
I got to appear on Drag Race last year, which was an amazing opportunity to uh, get myself out there in the public and to be queer and gay and camp and all of the great things that come with, you know, being LGBT. And so I'm able to um, navigate that world right now. I'm going on tour at the end of the year. And I am very proud to say that I will be performing at the London Palladium as part of the season three Drag Race tour. Amazing. The Palladium. It doesn't get better than that. I know. I don't know what I'm going to do after that. (laughs) It's all downhill from there. So just to begin with, I wanted to ask you both a couple of sort of rapid fire questions, although your answers don't have to be rapid. So (laughs) the first thing I wanted to ask you is, what do you think is the biggest misconception around sexuality and gender identity? And to give you a little bit of headspace (laughs) and thinking time, I would offer up mine, which is that sexuality is learned and that parents can change a child's sexuality if they suppress it or encourage them Mm -hmm. in different ways. That's probably the biggest misconception I've come across. Scarlett, would you like to go first? Yeah, I would say I think the biggest misconception is that everything is so black and white. Mm. I think the idea that, you know, male, female, blue, pink, all these things you're taught as a child, you know, we need to sometimes take a step back and realise that those were all taught by people that didn't really know any better at the time and that's been ingrained in society. And, you know, in reality, if you really think about it, there is no rule book. The fact that we're living by these rules is kind of a bit outdated and a bit silly and I think that it's time to chuck those in a bin and start afresh and Mm. write our own book and so rip up the rule book exactly and so I think the biggest misconception is that I think that um you know living by these rules and teaching these to our kids it's just something that's getting a bit outdated now you were actually talking a little bit earlier about sex education at school Mm -hmm. and how everything that was presented to you was heterosexual sex education and how utterly irrelevant actually it was to you in your case exactly and also it was always it wasn't even very detailed even at that Mm. I mean I hate to say it but even for the straight people and whatever that were in the class with me they barely got any education on it back then so you know let alone gay people and queer people you know I think at the time, I think, yeah, maybe touching upon uh, gay issues might have happened. But, you know, that's not to speak about the wider range of all of the other different types of people out there that have different sexual experiences that don't just live by the standard like, you know, man and man, woman and woman, blah, 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 blah. So I think that, like, there is a lot more to explore there that, like, just never was brought up to me as a child. And that navigation is, I think, the thing that a lot of queer people, like, struggle with the most is, Mm. like... You have to learn completely on your own because, Mm. you know, society as a whole, which you should really learn from, isn't telling you that. And you you have to just like go in there blind like you're in the movie Bird Box. Yeah. (laughs) And and it is improving, isn't it? There Mm. there are support groups and good charities that give good information. Yeah. And representation on TV as well. Yeah. I think that helps massively too. So. That's a huge part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Rini? I completely agree that there is no right way to do couples and mm. families. You know, you do have to learn it. You do have to navigate it by yourself. There are all these discourses around there in society about what couples and families ought to be like and what mm. they should look like. Yeah. And sometimes these can be really constraining because they believe that there's only one right way to do it. So I agree with you that it's... Sometimes it is fixed. Sometimes, you know, you might be born in one body and feel that you ought to be a a man or a woman when you're not. 
a lot of the time I think it's quite fluid. Yeah. And it's how we help people sort of negotiate these sort of discourses about what sexuality is. Yeah. And see how they fit with their own experiences. Yeah. In terms of misconceptions about you yourself, what springs to mind in terms of common misconceptions? And again, I would say that because I don't have an accent, people often assume that I'm posh and stuck up. Mm. So that's a misconception mm-hmm. I feel that is levied at me. Scarlett, what would you offer up as a common misconception about you? I think a common misconception would be maybe that, you know, I want to be a woman because mm. I dress in drag. And I think a lot of, you know, people that look from an outside perspective might see what I do and think, oh, you know, they just want to be a woman or blah, 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 blah. It goes back to what we said about how fluid it is. Mm. I think if you think about the fluidity of it, it is a spectrum. And I think that if you're taught anything outside of that, people are a bit like, oh, what am I? What am I? Mm. And I think that, you know, a lot of straight people that don't know, you know, much about this might think, oh, they're dressing up. They want to be a woman. But no, it's very intricate. And, you know, I can openly say that even though I dress up, I am happy being a man and also being a gay man, but also, you know, Dressing up for me is an integral part of my identity. Yeah. Yeah. And although I don't like to put labels on things, I certainly feel that I need to dress up in order to almost fulfill that desire that I have inside. You know, does that mean I want to be a woman? I don't know. But it just means that I feel inside, you know, in my heart of hearts that... I need to dress up and, f- and to explore that feminine energy in order to feel fulfilled. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And so that's the hard thing to explain to people because, you know, people just say she wants to be a woman or he wants to be a woman. It's like, no, there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> other than sitting down and discussing these things, people wouldn't really know, would they? They just yeah. see it from face value because we're told, you know, gay, straight, man, woman, etc., and all of that. So, yeah, it's very intricate. And I think a lot of people could just get confused about these things and um, assume, really. Yeah, I'd say it's probably one of the most common issues we get letters on is from men who cross-dress mm-hmm. and they often hide it. And when a heterosexual partner finds out that they are cross-dressing, the wife, the girlfriend often then feels threatened, mm-hmm. throws them out can lead to all sorts of problems because the wife will often assume that they really want to be a woman so it's really really good to hear it from you that Mm -hmm. that is not always the case it's fulfilling that femininity isn't it of course also another misconception is that people think that only applies to gay people Mm -hmm. it doesn't you know there are again to go back to the labels that we know straight and all of that people that have that desire in them that need to be fulfilled yeah you know that has no kind of indication on their actual sexual preference yeah at all because you these days you have trans men who can be gay you know or trans women that can be lesbians or whatever we're human beings we we weren't built to fit into these exact boxes and i think that that's the kind of thing we need to like deconstruct yeah is the idea that like okay so we've kind of come to terms with the fact that there's gay straight trans bi etc now what we need to kind of do is realize that that those labels just aren't really enough you know like there are (laughs) subsections of that that are being ignored like the straight men that want to cross dress yeah that is a subsection of this whole world that is being ignored because 
you know, let's be honest, the world is being run by straight men who probably don't want that to be highlighted. You know, you can easily highlight, you know, gay people dressing up because that's what they do, right? Yeah. But, you know, the straight people, the straight men that, you know, might want to put some heels on or whatever, that is never spoken about because, you know, that's when we're dealing with quote-unquote straight people and and that's something that really people don't want to talk about, is it? So Yeah. But that's what we're here for. <laughs> that's beautifully put. Thank yeah. you. Rini, are you happy to answer? Yes, um, sure. My sort of response kind of relates to what you were saying, Scarlett, but from a slightly different perspective, because I find that people often have assumptions about me mm. as a South Asian woman, mm. and they'll assume I'm terribly conservative, for example. You know, I've had an arranged marriage. I mean, you know, it's amazing how people will still come up to you and say things in this day and age. You know, was your marriage arranged? Wow. But in fact, I'm not married at all. The other thing is that, and I find that both personally and professionally, people often assume that partners who look the same should be together. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of assumptions about how to be a couple. Again, going back to the theme of, you know, these sort of fixed categories about how to be a couple, about what it means for people from different racial, cultural backgrounds to be together. And I think that people still make the assumption that it's better in some ways for you know people from the same racial or cultural background to be together. So I do feel that I often face a lot of surprise, if nothing else, and some incomprehension um, <laughs> when you know people see me with my partner who's not Asian. Those are the sorts of issues I really kind of grapple with. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? What you're both talking mm-hmm. about is how challenged people are when you don't fit into the box yes. that they have mm-hmm. for you. And it's about opening up your mind, isn't mm-hmm. it? to all the Mm. wonderful Mm. possibilities out there. Well, if you're both ready, I'd like to take a listen to our first letter, which comes from a concerned wife. Her husband has just opened up to her about being bisexual and she's having difficulties with processing this knowledge. Dear Deirdre, my husband has just come out to me as bisexual. I feel like he's been lying to me throughout our entire relationship and I don't know who he is anymore. I'm 40 and he's 42. We've been married for six years and together for 12. He's been very distant lately and yesterday I asked him what was wrong. I was expecting him to say he was having a hard time at work. Instead he broke down and admitted that he had been having fantasies about other guys. He said absolutely nothing had happened and it won't because he loves me. But years ago, before we met, he had two sexual encounters with men. One happened when he was a teenager and he and his mate had oral sex. The second incident took place in a nightclub when he was in his 20s. He and another man shared a drunken kiss. He says he feels better for telling me, but I'm devastated. I could forgive the sexual experimentation. After all, he hasn't cheated, and it happened before we met. What hurts is that he's lied to me about who he is. We've talked about past relationships and who we find attractive many times, Not once has he mentioned liking other men. He's known he's bi for most of his life, since he was 14, and never told anyone before because he felt confused and ashamed. But I'm his wife. I tell him everything. He should have been able to trust me and be honest. I can't speak to anyone about this because it's not my secret to share. My biggest worry is that he still isn't being completely honest with me. I've read that sometimes men come out as bi when really they're gay and eventually they come out properly and leave their wives. What can I do? So she's very, very worried. Rini, can I go to you first? Sure. So I can see why 
the wife might be so worried. And yeah. it does sound like a real revelation to sort of think that, you know, someone has been lying to you for mm. so long. But I would really invite her to think about sexuality as much more fluid, as mm. we said. Yeah. And also that sexuality changes over different times of the life cycle. So her husband might have identified as bisexual when he was in his 20s and then not really expressed that. And now, you know, for some reason, is again kind of beginning to have fantasies. But I think she's also confusing the fantasies with reality. Mm. And just the fact that he has these fantasies doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to act on them. In fact, he hasn't acted on them for a long time. And as she says, this sexual experimentation was before they even met. But maybe there's a sort of notion, which I've found that lots of my clients have, that partners should be completely honest and upfront with each other about everything, yes. including their fantasies. And I think that that might be a false idea. Mm. And that actually people could be allowed to have their fantasies and they don't have to confess everything mm. and maybe the wife could kind of try and understand the meaning of this communication better why is he choosing to tell her now you know what else is happening what does it say about their relationship yeah so if she uses this to think about is he trying to communicate something that's happening between them you know if she focuses more on the relationship and what else might be happening yes rather than getting so threatened yes. by a fantasy which he may not act on. And the whole thing about secrets is that they kind of flourish on the lack of communication and on the shame around them. Yeah. So if she were to sort of take away the shame and secrecy around it and think, wow, it's wonderful that he's been able to actually yes. have this conversation with her and it must show how much he trusts her and the good things about their relationship, the fact that they can communicate and actually just keep that space open for him to come and talk to her when he feels like, you know, and help him with it. So I think really, in other words, instead of being so threatened, although it's completely understandable, to actually slow down and understand the meaning of his communication and to stay with whatever struggle, other struggles they might be having in their relationship. Mm, thank you. And Scarlett, what so, are your thoughts? I think it's quite interesting. I would like to, to touch upon something that they specifically said about how they wish that their partner had been open and honest with them because I think there's something interesting also about mm. what Rini said how you can live with these fantasies and you don't always you know maybe it's not always the best idea to possibly divulge this because in the sense that it could bring your partner a lot of pain and a lot of um, you know uh, hurt yes. but there's a, a strange kind of dichotomy that, you know, the woman asks for her husband to be open and honest, but at the same time, is that really what she may have wanted, you mm. know, because a lot of the time, you know, we don't have the mental process and the ideas and the knowledge to really deconstruct what that means, you know on her own having to, to to do that and to battle that and to internally kind of understand what that means it is hard enough for anyone to understand it really is like you know i can from my own experience say that growing up as a gay person and a you know a queer person and all of that like it is incredibly tough to deconstruct it takes years to deconstruct what these things mean you know it, i just my heart goes out to him because yeah, yeah and mm -hmm. the wife as well yeah. because they now have to deal with this issue that could easily have been kind of discussed and deconstructed decades ago. Yes, yes. yes. And I do think that's individual therapy for him, but couples therapy as well. Absolutely. Really helpful. I agree. Yeah. And it's really interesting. You've both sort of touched on 
the truth. She's saying she wishes he'd been truthful with her, but now she is learning the truth. She doesn't like what mm -hmm. she's hearing. And as you say, is it always necessary to be completely open if it's not necessarily going to hurt somebody? But also, I mean, you know, what has he processed? Because mm. if he had been able to process this separately, then mm. he might have communicated it to her in a different way. Yeah. Um, or not at all. Mm. Um, or at a different time. Yes. You know? Yes. So I think it's both the meaning of the communication for the couple relationship, yes. but also what sense he makes of it for mm. himself. And having the right tools yes. to, to, yeah. to process yes. this. Yes. Yeah. You know, we all are human beings are able to expand our minds. Yeah. If we had the tools to do so, she could have, you know, come to terms with this. You know, as a couple and having couples mm. therapy can come to an understanding that these fantasies are a part of who he is that has no indication on him going astray or going yeah, to cheat yes. you know it's just an internal battle that he needs to understand that now has become her internal battle because yeah. she's taken on the weight of her husband's identity and yeah. all of that those are the kind of things the knowledge is needed to be able to deconstruct that and understand that it's really okay because that's not a reflection on if he wants to cheat or mm. to go with a man it's just about his internal struggle yeah and how to live with that in the right way and still stay married and still stay faithful and those can go hand and in stay hand stay in a yes. loving relationship exactly and most people's fantasies they don't actually want to act on them mm. there's such a big difference isn't there mm -hmm. between totally. what can go on in your head and what you actually want to happen so it doesn't necessarily mean there's a threat mm. there we need to accept that people can move along that yes. spectrum as well mm -hmm. they don't necessarily stay fixed in one place mm -hmm. and that most of us are on the spectrum, not necessarily at one end, at one extreme yes. end. Coming up next, we've got a family in dispute over homophobic comments and a woman left mortified after she found her partner wearing a long blonde wig. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
We've had our first listener letter from a woman worried about her husband coming out as bisexual after six years of marriage. Now, it's time to take a listen to a letter from a man who was caught cross-dressing by his wife. Dear Deirdre, my wife caught me wearing a dress, a long blonde wig and full makeup when she got back early from visiting her parents. After that, all hell broke loose. She's dead against it and wants no part in it. I've been a cross-dresser since my teens. I'm now 47 and my wife is 45. We've been married for 18 years. I've always wanted to tell my wife, but she won't listen. I've promised to stop, but deep down there, I know these urges will never go away, as I've always cross-dressed. What should I do to make things better with my wife? Just your heart goes out to him, doesn't it? It does, it does. Oh, that's tough. And also, I want to say that there's absolutely nothing wrong with wearing a lovely long blonde wig, first off. So <laughs> I won't have anything said against that. But <laughs> the longer, the better. Exactly. I'm Thank sure you. you'll I want, agree. I want it to touch my bum. I want to do that long. But, um, I will uh, openly say that I have had sexual experiences with men that have been in very similar situations as him. Because, again, I feel that I live my life beyond what these labels are. And I do like to have sexual experiences with people that are on this spectrum and you know have different ideas about what sexuality is and what they enjoy and so I think that that has helped me first off to really understand how people really identify or view their sexuality but if I had a penny for every time I've spoken to like you know a quote-unquote straight man that like likes to just you know put some heels on or to to put a wig on it's no different from me you know just because I'm gay and I like to do it that is socially acceptable because I'm gay I'm I'm already being placed on the outskirts of society so why don't you just let them dress up anyway because they're already over there living their own lives and rules and and whatnot it's a lot harder for someone that still you know wants to quote unquote fit in to traditional society that wants to do these things and has it inside them to do these things it is an integral part of my identity to be able to dress up and to harness that feminine energy that I've got when I do drag I use that as like a vehicle to like get all of the girly stuff out so that when I'm out of drag it's just like it's almost like a freedom because I've I've been able to express that side of me you know and I think that there are a lot of straight men that you know maybe need to do that and that's okay that is a part of you yeah and you need to be able to understand that deconstruct it and have people around you that are going to support that and give you really the right tools to do it properly and yeah. not shame you for it yeah. you know so it's that shame isn't it the it's theme totally that runs the through mm. yeah and mm. really he says he's promised he'll stop yes cross-dressing yes. What would you say to him? Is that possible? Should he even be trying to stop? Well, I like the idea that he's playing with something, mm. you know? So he's expressing a part of himself that he can't express in yeah. other ways, that he's playing with his feminine side, yes. that he's enjoying just the whole process of dressing up and wearing makeup and wearing a wig. But the thing is, I'm thinking about the couple relationship. Yes. So what would I do? And sure, I do feel a lot of sympathy for him. But I also do feel some sympathy for her. Yes. I have had clients in this predicament. And what can you do to either help her to understand yes. what this means to him without shaming him? I mean, could they even play with this kind of thing together, for yeah. example? But if she absolutely can't, then I guess, you know, maybe it, it might be time to think about different kinds of options for them helping them through that process yes yes and you know making a transition because the thing is is he really going to stop does he want to stop is it fair to expect him to stop but also is it fair to expect her to put up with something that she might have such a sort of deep 
aversion to. Yes. Um, so I guess if I was working with this couple, I would try and help them both to understand first individually what it is that they're coming up against. You yes. Know? I think, yeah. again, one of the most common themes we get letters on is from straight men who love dressing up because it's an expression of their feminine side. They mm-hmm. don't want to change gender. They don't yes. want to have a gay relationship. They don't consider themselves bisexual. They mm-hmm. just want that outlet to get dressed up and yes. feel feminine. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And often it is when the wives are understand that and educated around that, the barriers break down. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yes, as you say, they have to work out what's going to work for them as a yes, couple. Absolutely. Yes. You know, I would like to quickly touch upon the fact that having like uh, had real experiences with men that have felt this way, a lot of them I find would say they feel like in society they're constantly being pressured as men to protect, to bring this masculine energy, to be mm-hmm. tough, to do mm-hmm. this and that, right? And when I would speak to them, they would simply, in any variation, say the same thing, which was that they need a moment to, to, to be the one that needs to be looked after, cared for, and want to feel like they don't have to be the strong man all the time. Mm. You know, and some people do that by dressing up and escaping that pressure that a lot of straight men feel is that I have to be the strong man all the time. I'm the masculine man. I'm the breadwinner. I'm this. I'm that. And it's like that can manifest itself in a way that, you know, some men want to dress up and uh, be girly and and live that moment for a little while because society's constantly told them, you need to be the man. You need to be the dominant one. Even sexually, you know, um, in in a straight relationship, you're always the dominant one. You're always the one that's looking after, caring, providing, et cetera. Some men just need to escape from that for for, for a little while, and that manifests itself in different ways. Yeah. It's like exhausting. This. Yeah, it it's is exhausting, exhausting watching it. It is. Yeah. But I, I think that's really important because I wonder if I was working with this couple whether I could use that idea, these sort of narrowly prescribed gendered roles, and think about if he didn't cross dress, which is not to say that there's anything at all wrong with him doing that, but if he didn't, how else could he express his feminine side, you know? And yeah. how could she sometimes perform a more masculine function you yes. know but on the other hand he might just be doing it because he just really enjoys it too yes mm-hmm. i love that you're working mm-hmm. together solving <laughs> no. their problems <laughs> a conversation yeah no. well i always wanted to be a psychologist or a psychotherapist i just dropped out of university when i was doing psychology to become a drag queen so i could have been you you're so young you can go back to it oh god if you no, ever want if to if the drag doesn't work out i'll um, <laughs> play with people's brains I mean, or you the, could do both absolutely. talking about both oh my god you know? that's going to be my next project yes. I'm going to be a therapist slash drag queen that yeah. just completely sorts your life out there's a niche there I, there is. I know there it completely is. I don't think yeah. there's anyone else in oh, that yes. area listen yeah. if anyone comes up with this idea I know you've copied it from me because I've stated <laughs> it publicly now it's <laughs> great okay fantastic let's have a listen to our final letter which sees sisters stuck in dispute after homophobic comments were made by one of them towards their young niece. Dear Deirdre, I've fallen out with my older sister, Georgia, because she's a narrow-minded bigot. At a family party recently, I was shocked to hear her make a really homophobic comment. Since then, I haven't been able to bring myself to speak to her. We always used to be close, but lately I can barely speak to her without rolling my eyes at her views. We have another sister, Caroline, 48, whose daughter, 15, has just come out as gay. 
She's always had traditionally male interests, so it wasn't a big surprise. At the party, Georgia was very nice to the young woman's face and supportive of Caroline. But when they weren't in earshot, she turned to me and said, I blame Caroline for turning her into a lesbian. She claimed it was because she'd been allowed to play football and play with other boys as a child. I was horrified at her ignorance. If she was a friend, I'd just stop speaking to her. But she's my sister. How do I make her see she's wrong? I know, this will touch a few nerves, won't yeah. it, for you, Scarlett? I'll let Rini go first. Count to ten. Makes you angry. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's just like the same, you're hearing the exact same thing that's been going on for so long now, and you just want to shake these people and be like, like there are different ways to deal with this or it's so much more healthy, and it's really not as dramatic and as apocalyptic as you are acting it is yes no it, we are just human beings yes anyway i'll let Rini go first yes. <laughs> <laughs> quick Rini. yeah well no I, I was just thinking it's so interesting because what do you do when your politics are different from mm. those of your family members and yes. for me that's what it boils down to really you know and you take these sort of completely entrenched positions and sure i can completely understand because it makes me angry too thinking how could her sister be so ignorant and how could she be so homophobic and how could she be so narrow-minded, you know, and have these sort of fixed conceptions in this day and age? But on the other hand, how can the person who wrote the letter, her sister, sort of try and think of other things that they might have in common? Why does she feel this need to change her sister's mind? Why can't differences even within families be tolerated? Mm. And why couldn't she just, you know, leave that be? I mean, sure, she can have a go at educating her sister. And I think yeah. that might be a good thing to do. Yeah. But in a sort of rational way, not an, an angry, emotive way, but in the sense of really sitting down with her and having a talk and explaining to her yeah. about sexuality and sexual orientation and how it works. And if that doesn't help, then I guess she would just sort of naturally drift away from her sister and distance herself. They can still be sisters, you know, I mean, and I'm sure they have other things in, in common, yes. their parents and a history, a past and family obligations. They don't have to be close. I mean, who says that sisters, adult sisters, especially at 57 and 56, however mm. old they are, need to be close. Yes. So I guess, you know, a lot of the work I do with adult families is to try and help them to think that, you know, um, you don't have to be best friends with your siblings, really. You know, you can be very different. Yeah. And you can also put the boundaries down. I mean, one of the things she could do is just to say, well, I don't want to have this conversation. Yes. Because it makes me terribly angry. You know, it's ignorant. It's homophobic. It's not the way in which I want to lead my life. And I don't want it around me. So I guess she has a range of options. Yeah. And sometimes families don't understand when they get so stuck in their positions that actually there are lots of different ways to relate. Mm. I agree. I think that the overwhelming thing that I think about when I hear this letter is how, like, these tropes that we're taught as, as children and teenagers that, you know, that gay people and lesbians and whatever are this, uh, are this kind of person and, and you know, the, the separation there, right? This is a perfect example of how harmful those things can eventually come to be in our everyday lives to a point where we have one life to live and we are choosing to separate ourselves from our family members, our you know, partners, our whatever, because a lot of us don't have the capacity to sit there and say, you know what, why why do I think this way about lesbians? What really makes me think that, you know, oh, just because they played football or whatever, you know, or, or did this or did that, you know, that, that makes them a lesbian or that's forced them to become a lesbian. Yeah. Like gay people and lesbians and everyone in the LGBTQ 
plus community, a part of our growing up is that you need to, to, to deconstruct this stuff in order to live your best life. I had to do that as a teenager in order to dress up. I had to completely unbox the shame that came with dressing as a woman and unbox the shame that came with being a feminine man. And, you know, there's a lot of work in that. The sister, you know, the straight sister, yes. she obviously has never had to do this. And yes. so she can't understand or relate to what her other sister is going through. Yes. And I think, sadly, you know, instead of having that open and honest conversation, it becomes, well, I don't like you because of this and I don't like you because of that. Yeah. <laughs> no real issue is being solved there. Yeah. And then, the word, the word, you know, that ends up just trading off into two sisters that don't talk, that could have yeah. been so close and been friends over something other than the fact that she's a lesbian, which is really nothing to, you know, it's just a small part of her identity in the grand scheme of things. And you're, again, you're mm-hmm. both picking up on very similar issues with this letter that there's two ends of the discourse and there's very little in between isn't there so they can't discuss it as you're saying they they haven't got the tools so you get these polarized arguments Mm. and as you said Rini they do have options she can Mm. set out the boundaries she can say it's not acceptable to me I'm going to end the conversation Mm -hmm. but as a society as a whole we're not using those tools very what, often, yes. are we? But what I find interesting is the other sister, you know, who only gets a mention because of her, her daughter, yes. who's lesbian. And maybe it's the daughter, the niece, yes. who can be the one to actually help her two aunties by yes. sitting down and talking to them about, about yes. her choices, you know. Yes. So if I was working with the whole family, I would definitely invite the other sister yeah. and the niece in. Oh, I and would too. I think yeah. that's a great idea. To explain yeah. that process of why she's encouraged her yes. to enjoy her interests. Yes, because yes. young people these days are able to shed more light on the fluidity of sexuality and all of that because thankfully we are in a society where we are slowly but surely deconstructing these ideas. And yes. I think young people are way more switched on to that and you know there's a reason why there are a lot more LGBT people out there because they are more switched on about what these things mean and Mm. I think that that voice is something that really could be used in their scenario because Mm. having a young person that identifies as lesbian but hasn't built up these kind of stigmatisms on, on, on it is something that really could be a breath of fresh air for them. Yeah, mm. yeah, and really turn those perceptions on their head. Absolutely. Or Absolutely. even the mother, you know, yeah. the other sister, yes. because she might be more educated by now. She might actually understand the process yes. that mm. her daughter's gone through. Yes, and so you were talking, yeah. Scarlett, about the unboxing. The mum and the daughter will have been through that process. Yes. yes. Would you be happy to explain a little bit more about what that was like for you for example how did you unbox the fact that you enjoyed dressing up sure sure the funny thing is that I can even to this day sit here and say that I you know I think that I go beyond the labels of of like gay and and all of this because with me dressing up and all of that yes I do like men (laughs) but yeah aside from that with my gender identity and all of that I really don't enjoy putting labels on it if I had to I would say I was non-binary because that would be the closest to it. But I don't even really enjoy having to say that because I know that that in itself, these labels always come with ideas. So I remember when I was younger, I used to struggle immensely with how society would view me as a gay person. I care a lot about what people think and I especially did when I was a child. I remember distinctly walking down the street and thinking, oh, am I walking too gay? Am I walking too gay? I need to fix that, I need to fix that. And it came to a point where thankfully... 
a double-edged sword, but when I was in school, I didn't have many friends. So I was able to sit alone and think about these things and really deconstruct that within myself. So I think that that was something that I really struggled with because, as I said, I couldn't even utter the word gay to my mum because I understood that saying the word gay, putting that into the atmosphere, then just threw a bunch of, you know, stereotypes and ideas into the mix from the get-go you know yeah. I could sit there and be myself all day long as soon as I say the word gay yeah it's like mm. oh he's like this yeah you know mm. and so that's what I would struggle with I would struggle with that the whole connotations and stereotypes and labels that would come with the terms that we had at the time I think you eventually hopefully as a, like a young gay kid or someone that likes to dress up or be feminine you almost have to like again throw that rule book out the window because Otherwise, you will be someone who is writing a letter to dear Deirdre saying yeah. that I'm repressed. Yeah. You know, I was harassed last week from the back of a cab by a bunch of what I assume is straight men. When they saw me from another car with my drag queen friend, they first saw us and I believe they found us attractive because I could tell they were yeah. wolf whistling and all that. Flirting with yeah. you. Yeah. And then I realised slowly that they had realised that we weren't women. Yeah. And that very quickly turned into aggression. They basically wound down the window and said, you dirty C-words, or as RuPaul likes to say, charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and, fantastic. you know, even last week, I had to deal with that. I had, yeah. to, I had to take on their kind of stigmatism, their energy, yeah. and to process that. And, and sadly, I felt internally myself go back to that kind of, primitive place of being like well you can't tell me what to do because I'm living my best life and yeah. you know a lot of us have had to grow up with that idea of being like well I'm just going to have a defence mechanism and you can't tell me what to do mm -hmm. but you know sometimes you really need to understand like yourself and to be able to you know listen to these things and, and not let it affect you and not let it bother you because if you did you will live a miserable life because you will get discrimination wherever you go sadly yeah. it's a part of life and it's how you deal with these things and how you process them internally that really matters and, and how you that reflects mm. onto other people. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being so honest. No, I appreciate it. I'm glad that you wanted to hear my story. <laughs> I want to hear lots more. Again, I yes. feel like we haven't even had the intro. Yeah. I know. But I do think what you said could kind of relate to this letter because mm. it could be something about asking the daughter's experience. I mean, that would be really helpful. Yeah, yeah. I agree. The daughter who's come out, mm -hmm. yes. we asked her what her experience was. Yes. And that might be really good for her aunties to hear, both of them. Yes. Because I don't think either of them actually has a clue. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from the idea that you think, oh, if someone's lesbian, it's like, oh, now that, you know, my mum was worried that I'd have to go through all the hardships of what being gay is, you know. Of course, as a parent, you're like, oh, God, now my son is going to have to deal with all of the discrimination mm -hmm. that comes with being gay. And that can manifest itself in a way that is unhealthy, you know. I'm sure yeah. maybe the sister, obviously, the sister loves and cares for, for mm -hmm. her, her sister, you know, yeah. the, the straight one. She probably, you know, doesn't realise that she she fears for her sister and, yeah. and, and the discrimination that comes mm -hmm. with it but yes. again you need to be able to understand what that means yeah. and translate that into love yeah mm -hmm. thank you both so much for coming on absolutely loved it no thank I learned you. I learned so much from it and so oh, much from I, listening to you as well. honestly yes. I'm so glad that I've done this like it's just been amazing having this open conversation and just talking about real issues with mm. real people that literally are facing them right now yeah yes. and you know People like me that have come through the other end and people like Rini who actually have the tools to be able to deconstruct these things and 
understand them and express them in a great way that will, you know, help you to form connections in life aside from the discrimination, the prejudice that we all Mm -hmm. can hold. Yes, every single one of us. We all have bias, don't we? Mm -hmm. As you said, it's that communication. That's what breaks it down. It's key. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, thank Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks so much to you for listening and to Rini Singh and of course Scarlet Harlot for being such great company and sharing their words of advice on identity. We've addressed concerns from a worried wife over her husband's sexuality, shared our best advice on how to deal with homophobia in your family, and discussed how men should be able to explore their feminine side without shame. If you're struggling with a problem and feel like you need some advice, the Dear Deirdre team is here to help. Just send your problems to deardeirdre at the-sun.co.uk. And remember... You can read Dear Deirdre every day at thesun.co.uk forward slash dear-deirdre or by picking up a copy of The Sun. Our advice page is packed full of support and extra resources which can help you with your own challenges. Before you go, don't forget to click follow so you never miss an episode. And if you have a spare moment, maybe you could give us a rating and leave us a review. This boost of appreciation all helps so that other people who are seeking advice can find us on their podcast app. I'll be back next week for another episode of Answering Your Dilemmas. But for now, I'm Sally Land, and this has been Dear Deirdre. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.